so this morning we are back in Matthew chapter number 6, and uh, we're going to talk about how we should pray. Um, think back in your mind to people who are super important to where you are today, somebody who is really... Uh, really had an impact on your life. For me, I call those my Mount Rushmore people, right? The, the four men who were really mentors. And uh, it kind of makes me emotional. A couple of those mentors for me have already passed away. Um, but if you're like me, it's those, it's those mentors that you look back, and maybe it was a spiritual mentor or a professional mentor, somebody who really poured into you and said, man, this is how to move forward in life. And as amazing as those men were, none of them taught me how to pray. And I'm guessing that for many of you here, because last week I asked who here is an expert at prayer, and no hands went up. So I'm guessing that there are some people in this room, I'm guessing that most people in this room have not had somebody teach them how to pray. See, this same passage that we're talking about in Matthew chapter 6, the disciples in Luke chapter 11, they say, Lord, teach us how to pray, and then Jesus does this same prayer. So the disciples are saying, Lord, how should we pray? And Jesus, this is his response. This is how you should pray. And I think for many of us, um, we just don't understand it. We don't, we don't know it. As Pastor Mike and I were talking through it, I mean, uh, to, to, to consider how we would present this passage of Scripture, we, we repeatedly came back to the point, this is, this is Jesus giving us an example. This is not Jesus saying, pray these words. And many of you in this room, many, many came from a background where you just had to repeat somebody else's words 30 or 40 times as you walked through some beads, Right? Or, or however you were taught. Maybe you were taught like, like these little kids. I love some of these uh, prayers that, that, that little kids said. Ready? Dear God, my mom tells me you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of your mysteries. Right? <laughs> or this one. Please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I do better at school. Please forgive me for hiding my sister's favorite doll, and please don't tell her where it is. Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat, and I don't want to have her move out. God, I saw my big brother walking out of the shower on accident. Can you remove that from my brain? Dear God, when will my sister stop being annoying? I'm on my last patience. Dear God, I hope my dog is with you in heaven. Please take care of him. Sorry if he chews on your sandals. So this morning, none of us are experts. None of us really have this prayer thing down. So this morning, my hope, my prayer for each of us is that we would sit at the feet of Jesus and honestly say, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me how I should speak to you. Now, this is a passage that is probably not new to most of us. We're, we're, we're going to go over um, 
material today that, that you've heard. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard it before. Uh, even if you haven't been in church, you've heard the Lord's Prayer, right? You, you've, you've heard this before, so you're going to be familiar with it. But my hope is that this will be a, a, a good encouragement for you. And that today, maybe, just maybe, today is the beginning of a new way of praying. And maybe it's, it's the beginning of a, a, a new desire to pray. And at the end of the service, I'm not sure if you realize this, but at the end of the service, when the, the, the instrumentalists come back up and Pastor John uh, leads the singing, that time is designed for you to pray. That time is designed for you to come and, and, and kneel right here and do some business with God. Every week we, we set that time aside because we think prayer is important. And maybe today when we get to that part of the service, you'll say, let me put this into practice right now. I don't want to wait until after I go to Culver's and then I forget stuff. Let me just pray right now in this way. So if you've got your bulletin, my hope is that you've, you've got your bulletin. Today we're going we're gonna to be kind of a little bit more interactive, if that's cool with you. I'm going to ask you some questions today. Um, and in your bulletin, we're going to go through the acts of prayer. Now, this you, you may have heard this before, and that's okay if you have. We're going to uh, go through it again. But uh, we're going to invite uh, a Bible teacher named R.C. Sproul to help us this morning. And R.C. Sproul said this, Christians often use a simple acrostic as a guide to prayer. It's acts, A-C-T-S, each letter standing for a different word. And we're, these are going to be our fill-in-the-blanks, so if you want to go through it, you can. I'm just going to read them right now. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And Sproul says, not only does this acrostic remind us of the elements of prayer, but it also puts them in the right priority. So as we go through this process today, as we go through this, this teaching today, I'd like you to consider not only the, the, the uh, acrostic, but also the priority that the acrostic puts it in. And I'm just going to show you this. This is a prayer journal. I just uh, started a new one. And this is how my prayer journal looks. And what I do is I say adoration, and then I just write out adoration. I praise God. Remember we talked about adoration last week? We're going to talk about it a little bit more today. Then I write out my confession. What do I need to confess? What do I need to get right with God? Then I write out my thanksgiving. Why am I thankful for God? And then my supplication. What are my prayer requests? And so we're going to talk about that. If you want to consider doing this, uh, in my Sunday school class, those of you that I said bring a, a journal, that's what we're going to go through next week. We're going to talk about how do we journal? How do we do a prayer journal? But today, just as Jesus is teaching was meant for us, for, for his disciples, to consider how we should pray. My hope is that we will consider how we should pray today. So again, adoration is where we begin, recognizing who God is. And remember last week we did a, a lot of work on this passage. We did a lot of work on, on this verse. We, we really talked about who God is, who he calls himself, he is the Holy One, right? He, 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 he showed us that He is the only uncaused One. And yet Jesus calls Him Abba. Jesus says, call Him Dad, even though He is the supreme being in all the universe. You, as believers, can call Him Dad. That's pretty cool. 
That is a pretty cool relationship. I can call my dad, dad. He is still at 84 years old, one of the strongest men you will ever come across, all right? You go shake my dad's hand, right? Am I right? You shake my dad's hand, and he'll try to break it, right? <laughs> like, my dad is legit. He's got some stories that are amazing. He's on that, that Mount Rushmore for me, right? But he's my dad because we have that father-son relationship and my heavenly father is my dad because we have that father-son relationship. He's adopted me as his son. And see, God is very jealous of his name. He's very jealous of his name. How do I know that? If you consider the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are identifying who he is and making sure you know that, right? You know who I am. Do not take my name in vain, he says. Do not worship any other gods, he says. Do not make any images of a god, even of me. Right? That is how critical who he is, is to God. And then finally, the fourth one, set aside an entire day to remember who I am. Who God is is super important to him, so that's probably a good place to start my prayer, don't you think? That's where Jesus started his prayer. Now, my name is important to me. If you are a telemarketer and you call my phone number, you need to ask me if you pronounced my name right. Because you didn't. <laughs> right? My name is not Seden. My name is not Satan. And it's certainly not Satan. <laughs> right? So say it with me. Sidon. Sidon. Our name is super important to us. The entire Sidon clan... All of the men in the Sidon family are represented in this room today, right? Like, that's it. Well, Josh was uh, in the kids' ministry. That's, this is it. We are it. Drew, Josh, they are responsible for carrying on the Sidon name. Bethany takes it so seriously, she's, she jokes about saying that when she gets married, her husband's going to take her name. It doesn't have to be a joke, though. That could be legit. Like, that's fine. So names are important, and God's name is important. There isn't anything special about my name. In German, it means silk, I'm told. The only thing that proves is that I was smooth enough to get an awesome wife. Right? That's all that my name means. Outside of that, my name is nothing special, but God's name is. And as we give him praise as we give him adoration. That is a great place to start. See, we begin our prayer with praise to the Lord. You can start with one of the dozens of psalms of praise, like Psalm 145, verse number one says, I will extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Jump down to verse number 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Jump down to verse 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. As you start a prayer to God, maybe pull out one of the Psalms. One of the cool things about prayer, God loves to have his word prayed back to him. 
usually, when you see Jesus speaking, he's quoting the Old Testament. Because God loves his word. So if you want to start out with that, pray something like that. Or, how about this? We're going to sing again. Last week we sang, I love some of the old hymns. We're going to sing again. We're going to sing How Great Thou Art. Okay, We're going to sing the first verse. Then we're going to sing the second verse. Then we're going to sing the chorus. Right? And we're going to see how well Pastor John has trained the choir. You are the choir. Okay, we're all singing together without instruments, all right? Let's, let's bring that song up for us. Oh, Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Now we're going to do the second verse, ready? And when I think of God his Son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin. Now the chorus, let it go. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Good training. They sound great. And we just gave God what? It starts with an A. Adoration. We just adored God for who he is and what he does. What he's done for me. Right? That's adoration. That's the A. A little bit simpler than you thought it was to pray, huh? All right, so what's number one? A? Adoration. Adoration. And when we pray, it's important that we put God back in the place of his life where he's kind of slipped off. Right? Because what happens is we go to work, and work is hectic. Or we're dealing with our little kids, and that's hectic. Depending on how old they are, it may be full of poopy diapers, right? Like, it's, it, it's crazy. Let's put God back where he belongs, with adoration. And then number two is confession. See, with adoration, we remember who he is, and with confession, we remember who we are. I'm a sinner, God. And the Bible tells me in Romans 5.10 that I'm naturally God's enemy. For if while we were enemies, we will reconcile to God by the death of his son. That's what Romans 5.10 says. 
as an enemy of God, what do I do? I rebel. Sin is rebellion against God. And so what I need to do is come to him and confess. Confess where I have rebelled against God. And that's what Jesus says for us to do in verse number 12. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us where we have sinned against you. What you often hear me say when I'm teaching is that, that God, Jesus, paid all of the credit card debt, my sin credit card debt that I rack up every day, right? That's exactly what Jesus says here. Forgive us all of the debt, all of the sin debt that we have racked up against you. Confession is how I lay myself low to align myself with who God is. R.C. Sproul says this, prayer should include confession of our sin as we remember who we are when we come into God's presence. We see that we have come short of his holiness and have need of his forgiveness. See, apart from salvation through Jesus Christ, we would all still be enemies. The unbeliever has no hope. The unbeliever has no hope. See, if you're an unbeliever, you're hoping that God is not really as holy as he says he is. Because then he wouldn't take sin as seriously as the Bible says he does. Or maybe you're hoping that he isn't really omniscient and therefore knows everything that you've ever done, thought, said, right? Because if he forgets some stuff, maybe he was paying more attention to what my dad was doing than to what I was doing, so I'll get a free pass, right? If God's not as holy as he says he is, if he's not omniscient, or maybe he's not really omnipotent, maybe God really doesn't have the power to send me to hell, right? I mean, you're hoping beyond hope. Maybe God isn't really immutable. Maybe he's not really changing. Maybe in the 21st century, God says all the stuff that he said was an abomination in the Old Testament is cool now. That's what some of the churches teach, right? Sorry, you guys are in the splash zone. Sometimes I spit. (laughs) Sorry, Pastor Mike. I should should have given you the warning on that. Um, Yeah. Umbrellas next time. Um, maybe God just is, is going to change with the times, right? We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. If God changed with the times, then we would be fi- building our foundation on sand, not on a rock. Because what does sand do? It just shifts. It moves with the tide, right? The water comes in, the sand goes out, right? But God, that's not God. As a believer, as an unbeliever, you have no hope that God isn't who he says he is, because he is. But as a believer, we have every hope. See, God is a formidable opponent. But when he is on our side, who can stand against us? At the cross, Jesus drank drank the full cup of of God's wrath. In the Old Testament, repeatedly it says that the wrath of God is a cup of wine and he will pour it out on the nations that are against him. He will pour it out against the people who are not his children. And Jesus drank the full cup of that wrath, every little drop 
for you and for me if we will accept it. If we will become his children. If we will confess our failures. If we will come to him. See, as believers, as those who can call him Abba, we have that right to come to him. But we have to confess our sin. We have to confess who we are. And by the way, that cup of wrath didn't taste good. Matthew 26, verse 39, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And remember, he's praying. And and it is a, a medical condition that when you are so stressed out that you can sweat blood. And he's sweating blood. And he prays, Father, if it be possible, let this cup, the cup of your wrath, let this cup be taken from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will. Doesn't he say that in this prayer? Not my will, but your will be done in the Lord's prayer. And he's heading to the cross to take every bit of punishment that you and I have earned. And yet we can't confess our sins to him in prayer. See, when we confess our sins, we, we, we raise the white flag of truce and we say, God, I can't fight you. God, I don't want to be estranged from you. I want to be restored to you. I want to be able to love you, not hate you. I want you to love me in spite of my hostility to you. I will confess my sins to you. See, the first part of prayer is that we're going to give him what? Starts with an A. Second part is we're going to do what? Starts with a C. We're going to adoration, confession. I'm going to put myself where I belong. I am a sinner saved by grace. Robert and I were talking about sinners in the hand of an angry God, man. If you ever get a chance to read that, I mean, it was a three-hour long sermon. It was boring as all get out because the, the preacher, he just read it straight. Like, there was no PowerPoint, right? Man, it's powerful. And that's you and me, apart from Jesus Christ. So we're adoring, we're confessing, and then we're giving thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, recognizing his provision, understanding his grace in our lives. Again, R.C. Sproul says, even though thanksgiving is not explicitly mentioned in the Lord's Prayer, it is implied in the petition, give us this day our daily bread. We are to be alert not only to the need that we have daily for food, but to the reality of God's daily provision for our needs. That realization, of course, should induce us to an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, why do I keep saying he's our good, good father? Because we sing a song that he's our good, good father, right? Pastor John leads it once a month probably, right? He's our good, good father who gives us good, good gifts. And when we remember that, we give him thanksgiving. We thank him for our good, good gifts. Now, if you come to me for counseling... I do counseling at the church. I do free counseling at the church. If you come to me for counseling, there is a really good chance, if there's anybody in here who's ever been to me for counseling, there's a really good chance that you're going to do a thankful list. 
because you need to remember how good God is in your life. And so that thankful list is going to be 25 reasons I praise God for my wife. Or 25 reasons I praise God, God for my situation. 25 reasons why, whatever. Because, see, here God says, Jesus says, praise God for everything. Praise God for your, your daily bread. I know there's no bread on keto. I get it. <laughs> if you're like my wife and you can't eat gluten, bread's a tough one. So just, just take bread out and put in your favorite thing. Right? Thank you, God, for lasagna. Right? Whatever it is, as long as it's got some sustenance, right? No candy bars. <laughs> Thank God for who he is and what he's done. Thank him for bringing his kingdom to the earth. Thank him for your daily bread. Thank him for forgiving your debts. Thank him for delivering you from evil. See, as a parent, don't you want your kids to thank you? Right? And if God is our parent, don't we want to thank him? And God is indeed a good, good father who gives good, good gifts. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift comes from our good father. So our good father provides good gifts, and when we receive those good gifts, we understand it's grace. Grace is... The, the, the very definition of grace is getting something I don't deserve. I've broken God's laws, so I don't deserve most of the gifts that he gives me. But God is good. God is faithful. And in return, I am thankful. So you may be noticing a pattern here. The first three steps in Christ's pattern are aimed at humbling us. First of all, I'm going to give God what? Starts with an A? Adoration. Then I'm going to do what for my own sin? Confession. Right? I'm going to confess who I am. Then I'm going to be thankful for what God has provided to me. All of this is humbling me. All of this is reminding me that God is God and Ben is not. God is good and Ben is not. On that continuum of goodness, God's got... 100%, Ben's got 2%, right? Like, God is amazing, and I want to put myself back in that right place. Finally, we get to supplication. Supplication is, is where I make my petition. It's, it's where I make my request known, and I love how R.C. Sproul puts it. Usually, we pray it backwards. We, we pray scat, right? For those of you hunters, you're, I'll just leave that there. Or we just do the S, right? We just say, gimme, gimme, gimme. And we think, well, God is, is really just a genie in a bottle, right? So I just have to rub it, and I'll get what I want, right? If I come to God, he'll give me my best life now, or whatever it is. That was an excuse for getting a drink of water, in case you didn't notice. <clears throat> but here, we can now finally as we finally understood who we are, who God is, how good God has already been to us, now we can say, Lord, here are my requests. Because now I have aligned my heart 
So the Old Testament says that if we, we um, delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our heart, and by now we're understanding what those desires should be. And so we're going to talk about three things, three areas, and we'll make it quick because we're, we're, we're running short on time. Number one is a prayer for spiritual help. A prayer for, for spiritual help. I love the fact that four out of these five verses... 45 of the 52 words speak of spiritual stuff in this prayer. Lord, let your spiritual kingdom come. Let your will be done. Even as I make my requests, Lord, your will be done. Lord, whatever needs to happen for your spiritual kingdom to come. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from sin and from Satan. Again, this is a spiritual request. Paul gives a a really good, if you have a chance, write it down. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, if you're taking notes. A really good prayer that we can pray for other people. A really good example of how we should be praying. This is how Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. He prays that they would be strengthened in their spiritual being. That they would better understand who God is and that they would truly know, they would truly apprehend, they would truly understand the love of God for them. When was the last time you prayed for somebody like that? Brian, when was the last time you prayed for Christian that way? What do we usually focus on? The physical stuff, right? And Paul says, pray for these things. Pray for the spiritual, first of all. A prayer for physical help is the second one. God, I I, I do have some physical things going on. And this is a small portion, but truly, God wants us to pray for even the most basic of necessities. Lord, give me my daily bread. That's basic stuff, right? God wants us to depend on him for everything. And again, if I'm following the example in the right order, that prayer will be a humble prayer. It would be difficult for most of us to pray, God, give me a mansion in a humble way. Right? Most of us. I think Rob Turner would get away with it because Rob's awesome. But most of us, that would be a difficult thing to do. Most of us, God, give me a Maserati, would be difficult. I know some people who, they use their their cars, they go to to shows, and they use their cars as a way to talk to people about Jesus. Awesome. But for most of us, those aren't humble prayers. Lord, give me my daily bread. Help me today. Help my family today. And then finally, a prayer for opportunities to serve. If we really want to align our hearts with God's heart, what did Jesus do? His whole ministry was what? Service, wasn't it? Where do you see Jesus? Teaching, healing, taking care of people. Let the little children come to me. Isn't that interesting that in Jesus' church, the church that he died for, we can't even get 
children's workers in the children's ministry, even though he specifically said, let the children be served. Isn't that interesting? Look for opportunities to share Christ with others. Pray for opportunities to serve at church. Pray for opportunities to increase missions around the world. Pray for how you can impact the world around you. So let's pray for these things. What's the first thing we're going we're gonna to do? Adoration. Then we're going to confess or confession. Then we're going to give. And then finally, we're going to give our supplication, our prayer requests to God. If you and I will align our hearts with the Lord in the way that he gives us in Matthew chapter 6. This is a way that is pleasing to God for prayer. I'm not saying it's the only way. Nobody's going to tell you, if you don't pray this way, God won't bless you. That's not what we're saying. But this is a good example. This is a good acrostic that helps us remember the way that God taught the disciples to pray. Adore him, confess your sins, be thankful, and then finally ask